Welcome back to another episode of Broken Record Ministries. I'm Ronnie. Big Mike's back. How you doing? Brother Bob's back. What's up? Carl's back. I came in like a tire iron. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Miley Cyrus right there. (laughs) Wow. Coffee Mike's back. Yeah, I can't top that. How y'all doing? (laughs) Silent Ron. Hello. Our Bible verse this week is Proverbs 2, 9, and 10. Then you, Tim, will understand what is right, just and fair, and you will find the right way to go, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. You guys are all looking at me. (laughs) Tonight's topic is roadblocks. There's bad roadblocks. There's good roadblocks. There's roadblocks from him. There's roadblocks from the enemy. There's roadblocks, and there's also mind blocks, which Carl and I texted about earlier today, breaking my own timestamp rule. It's October 17th. Once <laughs> <laughs> the rule broke, let's get it right, huh? <sighs> there's been lots of roadblocks in our lives at different moments in different times but are they roadblocks or are they mind blocks are they there for correction or are they there to stop us I think they can be both I mean for me in my, in my journey many times a person has been a roadblock and I didn't, I heaved the roadblock because in my mind, I did not want to upset that person that was roadblocking me to get to where I needed to be. So I, for me, they can be both. I think they absolutely can be both. In, in my translation, Proverbs 2.9 says, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. And I think, you know, obviously the most I we've talked about, he's sovereign. So no matter what comes into your life, he either causes it or allows it. But if it's if it's from him, I think it's typically to redirect us. Yeah. But if it's from the enemy or from our own disobedience, it's there to misdirect us. And we need to really discern which of the two it is to, to figure out which course we should be taking. I think you hit it on the head there, Carl. Disobedience is also a roadblock. Mm-hmm. How many times you know, have you been urged to do something and you haven't done it? For me, it happens quite a bit. I'm trying to get past that. But mine's based out of a fear, which is... Based actually in the trust. I need to have the trust in the Lord. That's what I've been working on here lately. Spending more time in the Word. Last week or two has been really rough on me. And I mean, really to the point where I was like, what am I doing this for? Well, I began to doubt myself. So I got into the Word. And of course, the Spirit came over me and called me and gave me peace and joy and and worry, you know, was gone. Even though the problem was still there, the worry was gone. Mm-hmm. So worry can be a roadblock. But I don't want to get off on a tangent. I mean, I'm just saying. Just about anything can be a roadblock, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Whatever whatever deters you from focusing on God, that's a roadblock. Period. I mean, you know, there's... And there's just so many different ones out there. It could be anything. 
You know, it could be your job, it could be your wife, it could be your family, it could be friends, it could be anything. And it could be for the right reasons. It could be for the right reasons. Like you're, you're legitimate think that you're doing the right thing, what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like way off course, but like Saul, for example, right? Damascus is 150 miles north of Jerusalem. So like he's so gangster because they didn't have Teslas back then. They didn't have Dodges. They didn't have Fords that he's going to walk or ride. He just singled us out, Bob. He did. 150 miles to persecute Christians yeah. or the way, right? That's what they were, mm-hmm. which we call them Christians now because he thought he was doing the right thing. He, hook or crook, he was going to Damascus. Yep. And then Jesus called out to him twice, slammed the roadblock. Just like that. Blinded. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Jesus is like... And then he found him, he found him in Damascus. His, himself, he was in Damascus. He couldn't see. So what did he do? He prayed really hard and then some guy that he didn't even know and that guy Saul was his roadblock right he didn't want to heal the guy that Jesus told him to go heal Saul he was like do you know who this guy is he went and done it anyway mm-hmm. and all with all that being said, because I'm sure everybody knows the story, but like, that's us. One time or another, in that story, we're everybody along the way, except for Jesus. And it's Jesus' grace that lets us get away with the stupid things that we did right. on the way to Damascus. So it's Jesus' grace that we get past that roadblock for the journey after Damascus when we can see again. I would say in that case, in that context, that form of roadblock, you know, when we're going in a bad direction and it gets in our way, the roadblock itself is grace. Mm -hmm. Because he could just let us continue headlong over a cliff. You know what I mean? Right. He doesn't. Like, you know, we talked about the parable of the prodigal son a couple weeks ago on the Digging Deeper episodes, and one of the parts of that parable that I think gets overlooked a lot is the reason why the prodigal son went home to begin with. And it wasn't because he missed his father. It wasn't because he decided, oh, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a terrible sinner and, I need, and I, I need to go home. It was because the father sent a famine to make him hungry and starving and give him no other choice but to go home for a roadblock. Mm-hmm. That's what actually caused him to go home. So like, like what seemed like a curse was actually a blessing because it redirected him back to the father's house, which is the same with Paul. Mm-hmm. In that case, what, what seemed like a curse was a blessing because it redirected him back to Jesus where he should have been to begin with. And that's what he does for all of us when he puts that form of roadblock in our path. It seems like a storm. It seems like a curse. It seems like it's not a blessing. But at the end of it, it's leading us where we needed to be to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just another piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. For me, everything's a puzzle anymore. I mean, I sit all day long and think about so many, so many things I, and... I can't put the pieces together, but 
That's okay. I need to learn to be patient for the pieces to fall together. And I think that can be a roadblock. You're trying to get the whole picture when you're really not supposed to have the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Because the Father has the whole picture. Yeah. I don't need it. He'll send me where I need to be. And for me, that's pretty tough to, to get my head around and commit to that. That's what's been on my mind here lately is patience and wait for the plan to come in his time, not my time. It seems like I'm the one with all the problems here. You guys haven't had any problems? Oh, I got tons of problems. Let's hear them. (laughs) We don't have enough time for that. (laughs) We ain't got all night. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. We don't? No, we don't. (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> Big Mike. Welcome back to uh, part 44. <laughs> <laughs> block. See that? Number 12 coming up. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I, 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 you guys are all make really, really good points. And I think that I was coming back to, ooh, you know, some of them, sometimes it's excuses or the roadblocks and things. Um, also, you know, kind of when people say, I don't have a relationship with Christ because the church let me down. Oh, that yeah. one. You know, and it's, again, it's that thing. It's that excuse. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's all of those things rolled up into their version of why this isn't happening. And I do, too. I mean, not to the extent of, you know... I would say to that, but still, you know, I, I don't have enough hours in the day. I don't have enough hours in the week. I don't have, you know, to do this and do that. And I'm already doing this and that and this and that and whatever. But it's still, you know, those are roadblocks because you have to make that effort. You have to put in that time. You have to find that time and you have to make it worthwhile. And it, it just kind of shows where your heart is mm-hmm. as far as are you going to do it or are you not? Right. So... Something that hit me while Michael was talking was even other Christians can be roadblocks. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, they can make people who are folks that aren't following Jesus yet maybe not want to follow him because of their behavior, their words, their actions. Oh, yeah. Roadblocks, stumbling block, both the same. Snare. Yeah. Snare. Whichever yeah. you want to call it. But. You know, uh, we can kind of look at uh, roadblocks like if you, if you go to Matthew verses 22 through 33, that's where Jesus is walking on the water. Well, you know, they see Jesus, you know, of course, they go out in the boat and Jesus stays, stays behind. Well, he starts walking out on the water. And, uh, you know, they, they see, they see him, which, you know, then they, they have a faulty view of him because they have no idea that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the first roadblock that they have is the faulty view of him because they don't know who it is or what it is, you know. And then when they do see him, they're like, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost, but it's not a ghost. It's Jesus. And Jesus calls out and says, tells them who he is, you know. So they know who he is, but even though they got the correct view of him now, they're still faltering because there's the, the roadblocks there. They're scared, you know. Mm-hmm. So... As as it goes on, Peter finally steps out of the boat, right, and starts walking on the water. And uh, as he gets out, you know, as we've talked before, you know, the waves was probably crashing up around his feet, around his ankles, up around his knees. But yet he was focused focused on Jesus. Well, another roadblock appeared. The fear. 
of being in that water and not trusting Jesus was a big roadblock. Because what happened to him? He started, he started sinking. sinking. He started sinking. And what Jesus did, he picked down and says, ye of little faith, you know, picked him up. And they got back in the boat. So, I mean, you know, there's several roadblocks. And that that, that story is, is a good analogy of the roadblocks that Peter and the disciples actually went through. I mean, that's just a short version. If you read, if you read, the, if you read the verses in the Bible, you can really see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just it starts out with the faulty view of him. They don't know who it is. They don't trust who it is. And then they're like, "Oh, it's a ghost." Then they're scared. Then they're mm-hmm. once they figure out who it is, then they get the correct view of him. But yet they still. Don't trust. They have a faulty understanding. Even when they have a correct view, their understanding's faulty. Right. Their understanding's still not there. But Peter gets bold enough and brave enough that, you know, Jesus says, come to me. You know, so what's he do? He climbs out. I'm sure he probably didn't just climb up. I'm sure he probably just leaped out and jumped, you know, kind of like jumping over a rail. Mm -hmm. Jumped down on the water. Do-do-do-do-do. Started walking. And then I guarantee you that he had a wave crash around and hit him. Something that took his view off of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The world. And that's where the, yeah, that's right, the world. Then the view went off of Jesus and the water started sinking. And then just like that, just like that, the fear and everything yes. started sinking in. Yeah. We face the same thing every day, not walking on water, but the focus on. Same difference. I mean, you know, Jesus says, hey, focus on me, look at me, and follow me. We do good for about that quick and then our focus just falters and then what do we do we let the world suck us in mm-hmm. I mean it, it happens every day every day I always you know undoubtedly there's something that always either makes me mad gets me irritated or real angry you know I mean it just something and my wife's a good one she's like did you pray about it like, nope <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Quit talking sense to me. Right. Stop talking wise to me. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, there's always something that, that just roadblocks us. I mean, it does, and it it can be something real minute that takes it away from us, you know. And something so so small should not take our focus off God. Right, and that and those things is what I was classifying as like mind blocks. Yeah, right. Like with me, in a recent, I don't know how to not timestamp this, but in a recent right. issue, yeah. 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 Mike's still glaring. In a re, in a recent issue, like uh, I'm running that race, even though it's a marathon. Like I'm sprinting to it because I love everything about it. I love how stuff's coming together so quick and so easy, and then. You take your focus off, and then, bam, and it's the mind block, and then you feel defeated mm-hmm. and deflated. Yep. So, what'd you do, Ronnie, when that happened? How'd you get back on track? I mean, I'm sure. Well, I sent out a couple texts actually, and then they said, "Hey, stupid, you're doing it wrong." Well, maybe not so mean. That's just bully me talking about it. But, and then. But I, but then I I prayed about it, actually. Like, in that moment, I prayed about it. And then I got reminded through something totally different, but also through 
the two texts individual about what the sprint was for or who it was for. Which redirected your focus. Which redirected my focus. It's really what it's all about is focus. Yeah. Where your eyes are. And then my then my proverbial glass was glass that was half full that all of a sudden had a hole in it. Didn't have a hole in it anymore. And it wasn't half empty, it was full again. So I think it's stories like that that help people apply what they've heard or what they have read or learned along the way. I think it's important that you know, people have, because some people just don't know what to do mm-hmm. or where to go to get that information. So anytime we can apply that for them, well, yeah, and, and it in our own lives, it's got to be beneficial to them. Well, and don't get me wrong, that's one instance where Ronnie did something that came out of the roadblock or the mind block correctly, right? There's countless of times where I ran head first into a brick wall roadblock where I tried to go over it, I tried to go around it, I tried to go through it again. Because of the loss of control. Yeah. You thought you had lost control, but the real control belonged to our Lord. Right. And that's what, so yeah, I think that's important to get yeah. out there. Like, like this roadblock that I face today, mind block, however you want to do it. I don't think it was like an enemy one. I think it was a him one. And like, remember who you're doing it for. Remember why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Which the two wise people, or three wise people on the other side of those phones when I sent the text pushed me back into that narrow path, back into the boat, and like pushed me out. Just for the record, I wasn't one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get that out there too I do want to say too that's testament to why it's so important to surround yourself with other godly individuals that you know that aren't just acquaintances but close friends yep. mm-hmm. that you can reach out to because that's why that's so important you know like the enemy will use isolation and he did with me like he still does with me I'll be honest because that's my problem is you reached out to somebody I've been struggling for the past couple weeks on things but I don't reach out I've got you I could reach out to everybody at this table I could reach out to and I don't and I don't know why I just I try to battle it on my own. Why do you think we do that as humans? Why do you think is it is it how we're going to appear to them? Do you think it's pride? For me, it's that's what I think so too. I think that's what I I think it's part of being a man. Yeah, I just I just watched a thing and it it was a TikTok and this lady was like, "Hey, when you were down on your luck and you were down, who's the one person that you call?" And it went to probably ten different guys, and all each one of them said, "Nobody. I don't have anybody to call. Nobody cares. I'm a guy. Nobody cares. Nobody cares." It was the whole theme, and like, and I've never posted anything on there, and like, I was ready to, I was ready to like duet it or whatever they call it. I don't know what it's called, but like to put my own face on there to be like, I'll put my number on here for any one of you that wants to call me. You know, I mean, I didn't, stupidly, probably. So that was a roadblock you know? that you came to and decided yeah, today. To, today, yeah. You know, and but it was one of those that it made me feel so bad to think that that's in this case to me is such a bigger problem. It is the fact that this is how most men feel. Yeah, right. Like in that instance, it was ten. It was ten guys. <laughs> yeah. 
but in the bigger picture. Yeah, it's how many? Yeah. Again. Probably to the 10th. Ron raised more. his hand. I was going to say, Ron silently raised his hand in agreement. <laughs> I'll, I'll be his narrator. <laughs> but It's been rough the last nine months. Yeah. yeah. But I guarantee you I've had a ton of roadblocks. And I don't know how to get through them, so I just isolate myself for the most part. And then when I go to church and stuff like that, it gets the the roadblock somewhat gets knocked down a little bit. But yet then my what what do you what do you call it? Um I guess your manly instincts is to build it back up to protect yourself. Your pride. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like you knock down knock down that wall. A little bit, or it gets knocked down for you, but then you want to you want to rebuild it, so to say, to, because you feel like you're protecting yourself, and that vulnerability makes you feel weak. Here's what I found. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty nice. <laughs> but yeah, the, the roadblocks are really hard right now for me, and I, I guarantee you for my wife. Everybody at this table knows what they are. The listeners probably don't, but it's been it's been really bad the last eight to nine months. So, and constant headaches, you know, and they're all just different roadblocks for me. And I try to go around them, and I try to go through them just to keep going. But when I go through them and I go around them, something hits me, and it's like, you know, what do you do? What can you do? You know, yeah, you should be able to reach out, and I probably should. But what it does to me is it just, like, it drains me and shuts me down to the point of where I'll just relax. Maybe it'll go away on its own, but it doesn't. A little ostrich in the sand routine, huh? Yeah. yeah. So, no, that's, that happens to me a lot. I think all men are that. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't be there, and I know I don't need to be there. Because I have my guys, but same token, you know, I got to figure out a way to, I get, just like you said, being men, I guess, you just have to figure out a way to deal with it yourself instead of, oh, that's the way you feel. That's the way you feel. But, yeah, but you don't. And, and you don't, yes, yeah, and you, you don't. don't. have to figure it out by yourself. We weren't made to figure it out by ourselves. You know, well, it's, you can put this back to the hat and praying. It's a society thing. It's nothing biblical about it. But it's like growing up, you know, uh, I think Carl said it before, maybe somebody else, but for me growing up... You probably not, forgot, though. For me growing up, I, I think I've said it before, it was me. Right. You know, granted, I had people that say, will say, I can go out and they'll say, well, I was here for you, you just didn't ask. Well, that's funny because... I know I've asked, but it's never came forth, you know. Mm -hmm. So then I had to take it on my own, or I felt like I was doing it on my own. But obviously now looking back at it, I wasn't on my own. I just didn't see that he was with me. Mm -hmm. Because obviously if he wasn't, I probably wouldn't be sitting at this table. So. Well, then you ask, and they don't come. Correct. So then you're like. I'm not going to ask again. Why waste time to ask again? Correct. 
Yep. And, and you put up that wall because you're not going to let anybody hurt you or do you like that again. Right. So rejection is a roadblock. Absolutely. Oh, a big one. So It perpetuates that cycle of isolation. That's, what that's where I was going with it. I'm sorry. That's okay. Sorry, rejection is not a roadblock. Rejection is a cell that you live in. Like it, a prison. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Rejection is worse than a roadblock. I'm sorry. I've been there. I've been yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've struggled. Yeah. I've struggled with that rejection, being in that prison box, because you know you, you just absolutely feel like it. Uh, you are useless. You cannot function for what needs to be done, and it just it just feel like that. Uh, Everything's on you. Yeah, you just can't do for God because you just can't do it. Just because you think because of X Y Z. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I expressed to you earlier today, Ronnie, that you know one of my big struggles right now is like everything. I feel like everything I do is useless. Like it's not accomplishing any anything. You know, I'm not helping anybody. I'm not used to anybody. Like everything I do just falls flat. That's why. It's how I feel. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I know where it goes back. It roots back to that that rejection. I just I've spent years wallowing in that and isolating. I'm not blaming anybody else. I mean, other people hurt me. Don't get me wrong, but it was my fault for. Living in that prison cell, the door's wide open. You can walk out any time. You choose not to. I'm guilty of that because I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll close that prison door mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because. It makes me sit here and remember the loss we just had. It makes me think: how many walls did he have? Up? Tons. He had to have tons of walls because he never asked for nothing. Never asked for no help always trying to do it on his own and when you try to help it was always no I'm good I'm good I'm good and you could see that he's not good or they are not good or whatever and but yet their their roadblock is up and you can't get through mm-hmm. you can't get through you know so it's like what do you do what can you do but pray and hopefully, I don't know. It's it's a bad deal. This is this is an opportunity of where we need to break those chains. Mm-hmm. We need to stop relying on just ourselves to get through these things. Because how has that worked for us so far? Not well. No. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't at all. Some, you know, and just like anything else in our lives, some some worse than others, and everything else. But and and you know, I I, I hate to, I hate to even say it and, and everything, but I'd rather get a call at two in the morning than never get a call again. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially from my brothers that I love. But I mean, honestly, from anybody that that feels like they don't have somebody, I would rather have, you know, I would rather have them reach out than I would have one of their loved ones not not be able to talk to them again. But it goes back to this, the social thing we were talking about earlier, Mike. Two in the morning, most people aren't going to call you at two in the morning because right. they've been taught you don't call at two in the morning. Yeah, but yeah. You got to break through that though, because like what Mike's saying isn't hyperbolic. I was that guy when, at my lowest point, sitting in my basement with a nine millimeter in my head, debating on whether or not it was even like like would I be, not would I be, would the people around me be better off if I never existed? Yeah, life would they don't, just be better off if I was gone? I life, was that guy. Life don't start at seven; 
and then at 9.30 p.m. when you go to bed. Right. You know, it's a 24-hour day. You get to sleep in until 7? No. <laughs> I, I, did the, I did the day. I did the day. I think what's important is God never sleeps. He hears right. at all times. Yeah. He knows when a sparrow falls. So Say that again? God never sleeps. And what you say after that? He knows when every sparrow falls. It's a simple bird out there flying around. He knows. Sparrow. Yeah. Nice. <sighs> Yeah, I think that I think there, I think there has to be a change in it. I think that there has to be, and it starts here. I mean, it starts here at our homes, at our our churches, our everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, because one, we have to do it for ourselves and our families. But two, we also have to be the people that are being able to be relied on. You know, not just for lip service, not just for to be there, mm-hmm. to stop and pray, to stop it, you know, and if if you need somebody to punch, they're going to show up on your front door and t- take it, you know, whatever it is. You're fine. It's got, you know, we have to. Mm-hmm. We got, like you said, you, we, we, we. Yeah. Not guys, not girls. Right. Not old people, not young people. We all have to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. It is hard. Oh, oh, very, very, oh, it, very, very, very it, hard. Absolutely. Me saying it's the easiest thing that... Yeah, the easiest part, it, the easiest part about it. I want to say something, and only the ones at the table are probably going to understand. God sees, God knows, God cares. What was said was not wrong. Mm-hmm. It needed to be heard. Yeah. He mm-hmm. sees... He knows and he cares. Yep. That's the takeaway behind that. Yep. He's mm-hmm. in control. Even when it seems like he's not, he's in control. Can I read something? A friend and I were talking earlier today about uh, suffering. Why does he allow suffering into our world? You know, it's a topic that I've talked about before and it's a tough one. And we, you know, he was talking about the suffering he's been been through and where it ultimately led him, you know, where it directed him, because that's what we've really been talking about. We kind of talked about Job. Well, I went into the, the church's library and opened a book up randomly. It's called Why Us? And I came to this page, and I just want to read this excerpt, if you don't mind. Go for it. Character that is built out of trial opens up to us the resources of God. The word translated character in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, was used in Paul's day to describe gold tested in the fire, as well as soldiers who proved themselves in battle. What a thrilling thing it is for a coach to watch a young athlete overcome a new obstacle and develop new skills, or for an instructor to watch a musician discipline his body and conquer new challenges. But does God have the right to make other people suffer just so he can help me develop my character? Isn't the price a bit too high? We can perhaps overlook the livestock, but we can't overlook the fact that all of Job's children and employees, with the exception of the messengers, were killed as part of God's controversy with Satan. It was one thing for God to permit Satan to take away Job's wealth and health, but why must his children and workers lay down their lives just to make Job a better man? This approach to building character seems to make God irresponsible. We must be very careful when we use the word responsible with reference to God, though. Responsible to whom? Certainly not to a higher power, because there can be no power higher than God. Responsible to his people? He is certainly responsible to keep his promises, but he has never promised us an easy life. And we want to be careful not to adopt Satan's philosophy of life that requires God to shelter us from trouble in return for our love and obedience. He's 
building character and it's it's tough it's a tough process but i think we really need to ask ourselves are are we in the faith are we in it for the blessing are we are we in it for the promise of a blessing if he came to us and said right now to everybody sitting at this table i want you to follow me and you're not going to get anything out of it in this life you're going to live a life of suffering and it's going to be miserable but it's going to lead other people to me you're not going to receive one single solitary blessing would we be willing right it's a tough question, but it's a question I think every single one of us needs to answer and answer with honesty. Are we in it for a per, the, the perception that we're going to receive some sort of blessing on this side of eternity? Or are we willing to, to walk a life of suffering to build our character and to be a light to build the characters of those around us, no matter what it costs? We've got to remember, he is sovereign. Guys, he allows this stuff into our life for a reason, whether it's a roadblock or a mind block or yep. a tragedy. He allows it into our life for a reason, even when we can't see the end of it. And it's, I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but there's a reason for it. And we've got to grow through it. Anybody got anything to add before we pull the needle off? Or do you want to pull the needle off and give our final thoughts? We could talk about roadblocks all night long. Yeah. I'm going to go first with my final thought because it circles back to my roadblock that I talked about that I texted out that Mike asked me about. I'm going to get a little more specific because of what Carl just read. So you asked me what I did, right? Yeah. yeah. While I was praying, my phone went off. And one of our mutual friends at the table texted me and said, Hey, look what just came out. And it was the Chosen Season 3 trailer, which I love anyways, right? Watching it, it hit echoes of things that I needed, that I needed to hear and see visually because of the things that I couldn't see in that moment. And then after that, I wrote this down. I wrote my final thought down. And it says, and this is what I wrote, I'm holding on to faith because I know you'll make the way. And I don't always understand and I don't always get to see but I will believe it. I won't back down, and I will believe it. And after that, and just writing, I don't know, two, four, six, seven lines, I felt rejuvenated again. Still a little degraded, still a little deflated, but like it wasn't where my 30-minute pity party was at the beginning. So maybe I needed to learn that to just pray, be in the word, and then write something down. Even if it's meaningless, and I'm just writing the word, word, over and over again. I don't see, I don't see how it could be meaningless, because if it comes from your heart, then it has to mean something. It means something to you. Right. And if you're the only one that understands it, then there's that one out of the hundred. (laughs) 
There's that one. There's that one. Mike, Bob, Mike, anybody? Okay. Uh, unpacked baggage. You know, the Israelites, when God let them out of Egypt, they had unpacked baggage. They could have, they could have went about, they could have went out of Egypt, and a few weeks later, could have been right in the pump. They could have been right in the Promised Land. You know why they wasn't in the Promised Land? Because they had unpacked baggage. They packed their sins with them and they drug them along and it drug them down and it took their focus off of God. So that kept them from going to the promised land for 40 years. So my saying is, is unpack your baggage, lose the sin. God's already forgiven you for it anyway. Why bring it back up? Why keep packing it with you? Lay it down, step forward and turn to God. You know, I've heard a guy say, God will take 99 steps, and all you got to do is take the one, and you're back with him. Mm-hmm. So, unpack your baggage. Mike, Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> Either one of you. I don't really have anything. Um, focus. Put God first. Follow him. Follow his voice has said that his sheep know his voice. So follow that voice. That's that's all I got. Whatever your chains are, let him in so he can break them. There you go. Carl, Silent Ron? No? No, not. For me, the the roadblocks or whatever I just gotta figure out why they're there and not be afraid to ask for help to get through and uh, I, I you know you sit and dwell on stuff that's over and done but yet you need somebody, so I just, for me, the roadblock is I just got to get over that part and pray more and ask for help more and not give up on asking for the help, knowing that I need it just because I don't get it from one place doesn't mean I can't get it from another. Yeah, and that, and this goes to you, and you know I've said it, Mike said it, and this goes for anybody else out there. And at this time, it's kind of cliche, but it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to stay there. Mm-hmm. No matter what that looks like. Asking for help. Whatever. And and be careful how you define okay. Don't let somebody define okay right. for you yeah. in a way that's unrealistic. Right. If that makes sense. Hmm. Carl. I almost said I didn't have one because I was debating on whether or not to, to, to say this or not until Bob gave his final thought and I feel like I had to unpack baggage. You know, they were packing their, their sins and their idolatry with them. So one of the reasons I'm so adamant about promoting sanctification, total sanctification, meaning 
pursuing a life that's totally sanctified and made holy or set apart to the Most High, right? Taking things that he calls abominable and getting them out of your life. Not trying to separate between this is my faith life, I'll keep that holy. This is my secular life, I'll invite unholiness in. Um, there are things in my background that I haven't shared, and I'm not going to yet, but there's a reason I'm so, I'm so adamant. I know the dangers involved in inviting those things into your life and the very real spiritual war that's out there. There's a battle being waged over your soul, mm-hmm. a real one. And when you open doors, maybe you haven't experienced it yet. I hope you never do. But if you keep opening those doors, there's a good chance you're going to let something in, and you don't want it in. Uh, if you take my jacket, and I take a dead fish, and I put a dead fish into one pocket, and I sew the pocket shut, does the cleanness of my jacket perpetually make the dead fish more clean? Or over time, does the rotten fish, as it, as it decays, make the jacket unwearable? Although the jacket started clean... Is it, does it stay clean, or does the rottenness of the fish make it unwearable and unclean? Answer B. Answer B. Answer B. Easy answer, right? You're not going to make something clean. You're not going to make something unclean by the clean. Right. It always works in reverse. We've got to stop trying to, to keep holiness in our left pocket and stuffing our right pocket with unholiness and think that we're not going to be made unholy by it. You're either going to change or you're going to stay the same. You've got to make a choice. He wants all of you. This is an all-or-nothing game. It's an all-or-nothing game. The Most High does not want part of you. He doesn't want half of you. He doesn't want a quarter of you. He doesn't want nine-tenths of you. He wants all of you. And if he can't have all of you, I'm not going to go so far as to say he, he doesn't want none of you, but he's going to make it real hard on you until you finally give him all of you. He's going to apprehend you one way or the other. You might as well make it easy on yourself and just give give everything to him. Because the only way you're going to shine the light correctly is if you let him apprehend you. Surrender to total sanctification. Walk that path with him. I'm going to answer the not want, him not wanting you because he will always want you. Right. Always will he want you. He's just a gentleman, and he steps to the side because he allows you to make the choice. Yes. I don't know if I should say this, but if you wait too long, the the results of what he makes you walk through to get you, you may not like it all. Mm-hmm. Read Matthew 22 in the parable of the wedding guests. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see what happens when you over and over and over and over again reject his call, mm-hmm. reject his invitation. And try to play that that half and half game with him. And eventually he says they made themselves unworthy. That's his words. To borrow a phrase, I didn't write it. Right. (laughs) And me, this is just my personal opinion. This is me. When we disobey God, I think we break his heart. You know what I'm saying? Because, yes, he's infinite. Yes, he's, he's, he's the master, the creator. I still think that weighs on his heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so think about every time that you're being disobedient, you're chipping away at his heart. Mm-hmm. Join us on our Facebook group, Broken Record Ministries. We do have a YouTube channel now. 
Woohoo! Broken Record Ministries, where you can interact and comment on the episodes that are all the episodes, all the things, right? We are on Amazon, Spotify, Hipcast, maybe a couple others soon. Um, if you want to go long form with us and you want to just ask questions, talk to us. If you need to talk to somebody, send it out there. It's at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. And don't forget about Saturday. If you don't have our Facebook feed or you have not seen it, Saturday is the Broken Record Conference, October 22nd from 3 to 8. Love to see you there at the 4th Street Theater Mobley. Mike. Big Mike. Big hearted Mike. Baby soft Mike. Baby soft Mike. (laughs) Would you like to pray us out? Absolutely. Lord our God, we just come to you humbled, humbled by the fact that you would choose us, that you would allow us to live in this world that you created for us, and that you would allow us to have free will. Lord, we know we take it for granted, but we pray that all of your children will come back to you. They'll turn their lives around, and they'll give them over to you, God. They'll give them back to you. We all know that they're yours, and everything here is yours. We just thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for giving us the blessings that you have given us. Lord, give us the strength to move forward to make disciples of men and women. Let us go forward and make disciples of our families, of our children, so that we can grow up the church to be in your image, to not worry about the religious part of it, but just be your church, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And until next time. Welcome to Ministry. Catch you on the flip side.